Be reading from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. This is on page 181 of the New Testament. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. These are the word of our Lord. I, uh, even though I love technology and I, I love all of the discoveries that come along with um, technology and living in a paperless world, I try to get more and more paperless, even though we continue to print bulletins. We haven't figured out a good way to communicate uh, during worship. I'm afraid if you start pulling out your phones and we start communicating that way, I'm totally going to lose you. Chances are I've totally lost you anyway. Uh, it's hard to combat with social media and worship. But paperless is the way to go, isn't it? But it's still good to get a piece of mail, right? How many of you love going to the mailbox and opening up the door and looking in there to see if there's whatever it is uh, that might be coming uh, that has your name on it, right? How many of you open up mail that's not even to you in other people's mailbox? No, that's a federal offense. Shame on you. But I love getting mail. And I, whenever I get mail, even though I don't want to, uh, you know, I can see on the outside it's probably junk mail, I go ahead and open it anyway. There's just something about it. I'm thinking, no, I may miss out on something. And this happened the other day. I, I received uh, a card in the mail, and it had AAA across the top. And uh, so I set it aside. And you know, you know all the rules about mail, right? You only touch it once, and then you put it in the trash. Otherwise, you have mail stacked up to your ceiling, right? Because you never get around to doing anything with it. It's a lot like email. If you just let it sit there, it's just going to sit there. And so I touched it once, and I thought, no, I don't need AAA. Uh, I couldn't remember the last time that I was stranded, and I thought, you know, I'd probably never use that. So the second time I passed that piece of mail, I picked it up, and I thought, no, this just needs to go in the trash. So I tore it up, and it just made me feel good, you know, tearing up that uh, piece of mail. Didn't even look at it. I just tore it up, and I put it in the recycle bin. Then I went back to whatever I was doing, and the next time I came through the kitchen, I started to have that feeling like, no, I, I might get stranded. I might, I might need triple A. And so I got it out of the trash. I'd already ripped it up, and I got the sticker, and I uh, started thinking about it, and I looked at it, and it, it uh, says, it has a question on there, are you covered and I thought, no, I'm really not, I guess. Uh, it gives you free minor mechanical first aid. thought, that's good. You know, I might need that. Free toes. 
we have used cars, and they're always breaking down. That's, you know, we just used one last week, a tow truck, so that, that would come in handy. Flea, free flat tire changes. Never know when you're going to need that, right? Uh, free lockout services. One of us, to go unnamed, does lock her or his keys in the car quite a bit. It's good to have that service. Battery jump starts. Man, that got to thinking, that has happened in the last month. And uh, hence the tow truck. And then free deliveries of gas. So um, having a teenager driver in the family, that, that has already come up at least once. So those are good things to have. And I thought, I can't throw this away. What if I get stranded and I need somebody to call and I, my, maybe my cell phone's not working. I mean, you know how a comedy of errors just takes place whenever something goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. So I thought, I need to sign up for AAA. Have you ever felt that way in life where you, uh, you realize that you're in great need in your life? There's something uh, that, that you have need of. And uh, it's nice to have somebody to call on. I hope that you have someone that you can call on. If you're sick uh, or if there's something going on, maybe there is something wrong with your car or there's something wrong uh, physically with you and you need to be able to call somebody. I know of instances here where some of you have called on others in your time of need. Maybe you were at the hospital. Uh, Maybe you were having car problems. Maybe... You had something go wrong and you weren't able to make that utility payment or you weren't able to take care of something and you called out for help and somebody was there to help you. We're all in need, aren't we? We all find ourselves, even even if we think that we are uh, so self-sufficient that we don't need anybody's help, we find a time in our lives or a time finds us when we need someone. And I think that's what James is getting at here in this fifth chapter of James. And we're coming back to James a little bit today. We're going to finish this up. Uh, Our lectionary readings have led us through James, and we uh, skipped uh, for our anniversary. And we had that celebration a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, Erica Whitaker was our guest preacher this past week, and she did a great job of preaching from Esther. And I'm glad that she did that, so I wouldn't ever have to preach from Esther. Uh, that's a, a tough thing to preach on, and she did a great job with that. So we come back to James, and we really could spend lots and lots of Sundays in James, couldn't we? I hope that you've been thinking about James, because uh, there is so much there that continues to challenge us, and it reminds us that faith is faith if it is at work. That's the best way to know if you are a person of faith. You really shouldn't have to even tell anyone. As St. Francis of Assisi uh, said, uh, you know, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. A lot of times we use the words and we don't have the actions that back it up. And I think that is why the church of today is uh, just viewed in such a way that it's just meaningless or irrelevant to our culture and our society. And most people this morning in America are not in church. So pat yourself on the back. You get extra points for coming today because most people aren't. And it's not because they're against the church or they are irreligious or they're not spiritual. It's because they have not been able to see 
how the church really matters. And what we've said here as we have celebrated five years is that we want to be that kind of church that if we were to disappear, that the the community, this neighborhood, would actually notice that we're gone. And maybe that's not true of all churches. And if we're not careful, that could be true of us as well. We want to be that kind of church that is showing works and doing things to make a difference. The kinds of things that Jesus went about doing out in His community. And so that is where James comes in. James says, without, uh, uh, without works, faith is dead, right? That kind of faith that's all lip service doesn't really matter. Show your faith. And so he gives us some real practical examples of that. And uh, as he says here in, in this uh, last part of his letter... He is writing to that uh, group of of Christians and and he is saying to them, look, do do any of you have any problems? Are any uh, among you suffering? I'm not sure. I think I I clipped all this too too close here. Uh, But you can find it there in your your pew Bible. Uh, Anyone among you suffering, um, then they should pray. Uh, they should sing songs of praise, and uh, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, pull mine out here because I can't see that either. Uh, but he says, any among you suffering, they should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Any among you sick, they should call for the elders of the church. And we know in, in our church here, we have a, uh, an elder uh, board, a board of elders, and they are the leaders, not the only leaders, um, but they are the primary leaders in the church, not because they're not elderly. In fact, none of them are elderly. But they are, and if we look at that word, it just means overseers or pastors. And so they had this system in their church. They had not just one pastor, they had several um, that were key leaders and influential in the church. And he says, um, call them if you have any need. You must um, uh, call for the elders of the church, have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so they viewed oil as being medicinal, that it had medicinal qualities. And when you mixed oil with prayer, then uh, great things happen. It's a lot like what we do with different uh, like Ash Wednesday. We take oil and we mix it with ash. And uh, we place that on our foreheads. And there's just something special about that. There is uh, that mixture of what is physical with what is spiritual. So many times we divide those things out, don't we? And, and what they discovered is that there is something powerful that happens when we mix the physical things of this world, the, the core elements of this world, whether it's salt and light or oil. Jesus would pick up dirt one time, and he would spit into it and place it on a blind man's eyes to use that for healing. It is the mixture of the physical and the spiritual and making those sacred. And so this is what he is saying. Get the oil, and, uh, and they will anoint you and, and pray. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is, or that's the old translation, uh, which isn't all that gender inclusive. The, The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. 
Then he talks about Elijah, a human being like us. He prayed uh, fervently that it might not rain. And for three years, six months, it didn't rain. And then he prayed again, the heaven gave rain and the earth yielded its harvest. So James is giving them some real practical helps about prayer to say, you as a church need each other. He's already dealt with some of their problems. The fact that they were quarreling, uh, that they were bickering with one another, that they were selfish and they were not looking out for one another. And James says, that's not faith at work. Faith at work means that you are living selflessly within the body of Christ and you are caring for each person. And so here he is also addressing a physical need. If you're sick, if you're in need, pray for one another. And he says, the prayers that you lift up for one another are, prayer, are powerful and effective. So James knew they needed that. And we need that as well, don't we? As we think about our lives, I mean, in what ways do we need prayer just this morning? As you woke up and even before you got out of bed, what was on your mind or what was on your heart? Maybe this morning you woke up with a burden. A burden that uh, you took with you as you put your feet on the floor and as you got that first cup of coffee uh, or as you began to move into your day. Maybe it's something that's going on tomorrow when you go back to work or to school. Maybe it's something that has just been looming and weighing you down. Maybe it's a physical thing in your life where you, you have a sickness or there's something that continues, that, uh, continues to nag you. It's like Paul talked about with a thorn in his side. And he keeps asking God to remove it, and it's just there. And so he begins to accept that. He begins to deal with that. But I am confident that he continued to pray for that, that God might remove that. What is it in your life, physically, that ails you? Or maybe it's something in a relationship, where there's something that is not right. There, there is something between you and another person that is not right. And maybe it's not your fault. Or maybe it is. Maybe there's something that you can do on your end of things, but you need prayer because you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Maybe that's true with a career as well. You've got decisions to make and you don't know what, what to do, the next step to take. And you need prayer. And so the, uh, the thing for us to do is to admit that, right? Just like with every 12-step group, the first step is what? Admit. To admit, like if you're in an Alcoholic Anonymous group, uh, you stand up and say, my name is John Henson and I'm an alcoholic. Or uh, I am uh, addicted to gambling or whatever it is. That's the first step. If you cannot recognize your need for something outside of yourself to impact the need that you have, then, then you're not ready to move to step two, right? There are a lot of people who never progress past first step. Or they do it, and it's just with their words and not with their heart. And we need to do that for prayer in our lives. There is a need that we have, even as children of God, to pray. And so we need to admit that. But we need to also see the communal aspects of that in our lives, that there is something powerful that takes place when we come together in prayer. It's not just enough to, to pray on your own. 
Um, it's, it's not, I mean, that's, that's certainly a good thing to do. Uh, you'll see here, I think, in one of the photos where uh, there's someone coming to, uh, to be prayed for. And um, it reminds us that, that there is a need for us to pray for one another. And it may not be uh, an elder of the church. Maybe you can't find an elder of the church in your time of need, but there's somebody else around you that can pray for you. Why do we keep things inside? Why do we keep things to ourselves? There's so much shame and there's guilt that, that we experience or we think no one understands what I'm going through. Or if they find out what my real need is, then they're going to think less of me. They're not going to want me coming back to church, that's for sure. But I don't think that's the case here. I think if anything we see that we are all in need, right? I think if we get to know each other just a little bit, we see there is, there is power in confession. There's power in asking other people for help. Because when we try to do everything on our own, we certainly will fail. And there is this, this uh, powerful thing that happens when we come together. And I think that's why we always talk about where two or three are gathered. There God is in their midst. That great things can happen when we gather together. And so we need to uh, take advantage of that. And we need to see the need for, for praying together. I hope that you find a place or a group of people. Maybe it's just on Sunday morning where you... Uh, as you're leaving the church today, you uh, got a chance to visit with somebody sitting next to you. And you said, and they said, how are you doing? And you said, I'm fine. I, I loved uh, when, when I met Odessa at the door. I'm probably going to embarrass Odessa. I said, how are you doing, Odessa? And she said, I'm not well. Usually we don't say that, do we? Thank you, Odessa, for saying that. She said, I don't feel well today. I've got, you know, I, I've got sinus issues, which I think a lot of us have with the change in temperature and all of that. She was honest. She said, I'm not well. So I know that I can pray for Odessa and to ask God to bring healing and encouragement and help into her life. And if you do that with someone around you, now if I had said, okay, great, she wouldn't appreciate that. She'd think, he didn't hear me. And I will admit, sometimes I pass right by. If somebody uh, says, uh, and sometimes I do that as well. I'm not feeling well. I, you know, it's a bad day. I'm emotionally somewhere else. And somebody says, how are you doing? I'll say, great. What else do we tend to say to each other? Oh, I'm busy. What does that mean? Is that good? Usually it's not. We try to make it sound like it. But, but we really don't see that we can uh, share our lives and our prayer needs with someone else. And sometimes we don't want to hear people say what their problem is because we don't want to take time to deal with it, right? But that's not real community. We need to understand that prayer is something that takes place within the context of community. God has made us for each other and we need each other. And that's the powerful thing about church. And so we need to access that and we need to come together around that. So it's not just uh, about admitting those things and being able to, uh, to pray for one another. But I think it, it happens in the, the context of a smaller group as well. Uh, by the way, before I, I get further into that, you'll notice in the bulletin there are the prayer request forms that are there. And we have people fill these out every week. And I, and I get these um, and pray for them. 
I may not know what the need is. Sometimes it's just a name. Um, maybe sometimes there's more detail, but I just lift them up in prayer. Um, it, usually it's on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and I try to go back to these before the end of the week and just pray for them. Sometimes I remember them without even having to look at them. But if you have a prayer request, write it on there. We have a prayer box at the back. Someone stole our uh, Grace Fund box <laughs> at the back. And I'm not sure there's enough grace to cover that theft. But um, the prayer box at the back has no money in it, okay? No money, but it has prayers. And so you can either put your prayer request in the offering basket, uh, which usually we pass after the sermon. Today we did it earlier. But put, put your prayer request in that box, and we'll get those out and pray for them. But one of the other ways that we want to stress prayer and communal prayer is in our care groups. And um, one of the things that we really try to work on here is uh, getting people involved in each other's lives. And and we're not a huge church. I think we have 90-something members, and uh, some Sundays we'll have almost that many in church. But even still, that's kind of a small church, right? But we do need to come together and recognize that it's hard to get to know that many people. It's hard to get to know everybody on your pew or everybody uh, that you might serve with at the Highland uh, Blessing Dinner or somewhere else. We need smaller groups. And we talk about groups that are anywhere from like 10 to 14 people. And we have a brand new one of those that's meeting on Wednesday nights, and it's kind of maxed out. And we would love to start another one, but we want everyone to be in a group. And now we're calling our Sunday school groups, at least our adult Sunday school groups, our care groups so that we can start using some similar terminology. And our children's classes are uh, still children's Sunday school and youth Sunday school. But we really want um, you to think of, of how is it that I can be involved in a group. We would love to start more groups. It could be on a Monday night. It could be on a Thursday night. It could be uh, a, a, like a prayer meeting in the morning. It could be... Uh, It doesn't have to be here in the building. It could be somewhere else. In fact, it would be even better if it was somewhere else. But in those groups, that's where we get to know one another, and that's where we have opportunity to pray for one another in a more intentional kind of way. That you know someone has your back. As you go into the week, you say, man, I've got a tough week. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Pray for me. And to know that those folks will be praying for you. So if you're not in a small group, a care group, I hope that you will. I hope you'll find yourself. Because when we do that, we find that uh, that's going to look like people who are praying for one another. They're turning to one another. And they're also experiencing the answers to prayer. Just think about that. What does it look like to be in a church where prayers are being answered? That's a powerful thing, isn't it? I was talking to somebody this past week and... He was talking about a prayer meeting they started, and it just began to grow. It was in the morning. I don't know how people pray in the morning, but it was in the morning, and they would come together, and they would pray, and it just began to grow and grow, and it's been going on for like six years, and it just keeps expanding. And he was able to trace all of the the things that started happening after that date when they started to get together. He said, it's amazing where you can see all these things we've been praying for happening. That's what happens when we start to pray. And so I encourage you to think about it in that way. 
with all the stuff that was going on with uh, Pope Francis being in the United States, there was just, you know, constant coverage of everything that he did. But one of the things that I noticed was a pattern. As people would get a chance to meet with him, uh, one of the uh, radio interviews I heard was, uh, I guess, John Boehner, as he had resigned, he was telling the story to the press corps that was there about uh, why he had made the decision that he did. And apparently he is a, a Catholic and had a chance to have some alone time with the Pope uh, when he was going to uh, speak at Congress. And um, he said he was just really moved by um, the Pope and the things that he had to say. But he said that one of the most moving things that he heard was, he said, um, please pray for me. That's what the Pope said to John Boehner. And John Boehner said, like, what am I supposed to pray? I mean, why would you need prayer? I can't imagine the Pope, the head of the Catholic Church, asking other people to pray for him. But you'll hear from other people who said he had told them the same thing. Please pray for me. That's a powerful statement. We're always in need of prayer. And may we say that to one another as sisters and brothers in Christ. Please pray for me.